0: Our birthdays are a time to celebrate yet another year of life. But there's evidence to support that they are also something else. The
1: day that will more than likely die. We've all probably misplaced something important before. Maybe our wallet or our keys. But what if what you misplaced had the capacity to wipe out entire cities? We'll discuss the total number of nuclear weapons that the U.S. military is currently missing. It's just so easy. You go
0: to dinner with friends, you want to pay your half of the bill, so you send a payment to your friends through an app like Venmo or Cash App. But is it safe? Well, it depends on how much you're willing to share with the world about it. All of that on this edition of Commute, let's get it. Jay, today we're going to talk about something called the birthday effect. But before we do, I wondered if perhaps you could share about either one of your best birthdays or preferably one of your worst.
1: (laughs) Well, I have the curse of having a summer birthday, which is something that you don't understand because your birthday is right smack in the middle of the beginning of the school year. And you probably got cupcakes at school and all of that, but for oh, all yeah. of us summer kids, <laughs> we got one if we were lucky. We got one lumped together party on like the last day of school when no one was there for like all the June, July, and August birthdays. So I was one all of all the those. kids that
0: like your parents made you go to school now. It's like the last day of school. N-
1: not only is my birthday in the middle of the summer, but it's also just a couple days after the Fourth of July. And so that just means that people aren't around (laughs) during that time. So when I was a kid, you know, in today's world, it's a little different. If my kids came to me now and they were like, hey, there's a kid in our class. Like, this is his name. I'd really like to invite him to our birthday party. It'd probably be pretty easy to find the kid. Like, I could just find their parents on Facebook or something. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be easy to find out who these people are. Well, in the 90s, when I was growing up, Like, there was no way to do that. So, if it's the middle of July and I'm like, hey, it's my birthday and I want to invite X, Y, and Z from my class, my parents are like, we don't know who those kids are and we have no way of finding out who they are. So, (laughs) so I remember my mom like digging through the phone book, like trying like, what's the kid's last name again? Like trying to find... (laughs) So, the way that this always ended and it was year after year, this always ended this way, is I would have a guest list in my mind of like 20 kids and I'd only ever be able to get like three to come, right? Because like... We either, we either couldn't get a hold of them because it was the summer and it was the 90s, or it was, well, we're on vacation because it's like two days after the 4th of July.
0: <laughs> well, uh, well, Jay, well, I, uh, that's, that was a great story, by the way. I'm sorry. It's, that's very tragic. Uh, but while I may be considered a fashion and style icon today, when I was a kid, my style was more, um, uh, let's say, unique. And so, for a uh, stretch in the early 2000s, I loved going to the teen clothing store Hollister to get my clothes, okay? So, well, Hollister at that time, they had a line of, like, jokey, funny t-shirts, okay? So, this is a birthday story for me. So, uh, one of them, for example, uh, had a picture of a computer, and it said, the internet, just a crazy fad. So, hilarious stuff like that. But one of these shirts, Jay, was a picture of a boy playing with a pig, okay? And it said, and I quote... (laughs) pigs. They make great friends and even better food. And Jay, I just happened to be wearing that shirt at like my 14th birthday party, just so we will have live it. on yeah, just at my have parents' it. house on the wall forever. <laughs> but Jay, birthday shirt choices aside, birthdays are supposed to be celebrations, right? I mean, in my opinion, another year of life is such a gift and something we should acknowledge. But you see, while your birthday really is a special day, it's also something else. Believe it or not, it's one of the most likely days that you'll die. J. William Shakespeare, actress Ingrid Bergman, and inventor George Washington Carver, which quick side note, my dad once wrote a song about him. He invented peanut butter. I don't know if you knew that or not. (laughs) What's the title of the song? I I have to know more about this. I'll sing it for you later. <laughs> I think that the, the title is George Washington Carver Invented Peanut Butter. That's the title of the song. But uh, Shakespeare, Bergman, George Washington Carver, a bunch of people, they all succumb to what is known as the birthday effect, which is a proven statistical phenomenon that says you have a better than average chance of dying on your actual birthday. Evidence for the birthday effect comes from a study published by the Annals of Epidemiology that looked at all causes of mortality against a descendant's date of birth. The date was originally intended to examine a different theory, though, Jay. The theory of death postponement, which is where someone somehow delays their inevitable death so they can enjoy just one more birthday celebration. They will themselves to live. (laughs) The conclusion, though, found just the opposite. In looking at the mortality data of nearly 2.5 million people between 1969 and 2008, the researchers discovered a nearly 14% increase in potential death on someone's birthday. We concluded that birthdays end lethally more frequently than might be expected, the paper summarized according to Mental Floss. So what could be the cause? Well, that's tricky. One theory is that people are more active on their birthdays, leading to a number of heart attack-related deaths. How about suicide? Well, yes and no. Some people do think that suicide numbers spike during milestone events like a birthday or Christmas, but the data on that is sketchy at best. How about the reverse? The original intent of the study. Can someone really will themselves to live longer? Well, it actually kind of looks like they can In 1978, a new Australian tax law abolished inheritance taxes for anyone dying after July 1st, 1979. According to tax records... This is real. According (laughs) to tax records, more than 50 people who were knocking on death's door and expected to die in June somehow hung on for the first few days of July. (laughs) Closer to home in the year 2000... The New York Times reported that the number of deaths the first week of the year 2000, get this, were 51% higher than the previous year in 1999. This can only be explained by people holding on to see if Y2K would, in fact, end the world. So, Jay, why do people die 14% more often on their birthday? It's hard to say. It could be a lot of things. What we do know, though, is that we're pretty good at staying alive when we think we might save a buck or two. Or get to see a computer virus come through our landline
1: phones and kill us. <laughs> well, you know, when that when that birthday rolls around and I start getting flashbacks of elementary school of my mom flipping through the phone book to no success. I'm just I'm gonna be thinking about this. Like it could always be worse. It could always be worse, you know. So Dave, I am kind of a scatterbrained person. I do lose things a lot and it just generally Kind of throws a wrench into my day. I'm always losing my wallet, and my keys, and I'm always like cursing myself, saying like Why do I not put these in the same place every time? Uh, are you like me? Do you lose things? And if so, like what's something really valuable that you lost?
0: So I like nice sunglasses. Like I've always been somebody who buys Ray Ban sunglasses, which are pretty pricey. I mm-hmm. uh, bought a pair, a pair of aviator um, Ray Bans, and immediately lost. Okay, so it was like... like, how immediately? I mean, it was like uh, within days. Okay, so I I lost them within days, and I decided I would go buy another pair. So I go buy another pair of Ray-Bans, and I had these for about a month, and I lost those. (laughs) (laughs) Like at some point, you just got to be cut off. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Okay, so then I bought a third pair,
1: which I still have today. I was going to say, if you told me that you lost those sunglasses again, okay. <laughs> yeah. I learned my lesson somewhere along the way. <laughs> like you're going to be wearing, you know, Oakleys or whatever. Oh, those are nice, aren't they? I don't know. Yeah, you no, know, Oakley's, Oakleys are nice. nice? No, okay, well, I need con- like a cheap sunglasses brand. I don't know. Well,
0: not to be confused with Oakleys. Those are fake
1: Oakleys you get on the streets of Washington, D.C. <laughs> right. Well, Dave, we're going to talk about something very valuable that has gone missing. We're going to talk about how many missing nuclear weapons does the United States military currently have. Uh, Do you have a guess before we get into it? How many have been misplaced? Well, I only thought we had like 10. (laughs) <laughs> so I'll guess three. <laughs> oh, you poor soul. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and take a look at those numbers. Now, Dave, to understand the significance of lost nuclear weapons, we do have to go back a little bit to the Cold War era. So this was a time when the United States and the Soviet Union was engaged in this really high-stakes game of nuclear arms race, trying to build more and more nuclear weapons. So during this intense period, both of these superpowers aimed to outdo each other, in terms of their nuclear capabilities. But the intense secrecy and the urgency of this race, well, it sometimes led to mishaps. One of the most notable incidents occurred in 1958 near Tybee Island, Georgia. A B-47 bomber carrying a Mark 15 nuclear bomb actually collided with another aircraft during a practice mission. While the bomb was lost in the Atlantic Ocean, the fissile core, which is the crucial part for a nuclear explosion, was Thankfully, not attached, significantly reducing the risk of detonation. But, Dave, this incident highlighted the potential dangers of accidents involving nuclear weapons. Another scary episode took place in 1961 near Goldsboro, North Carolina. A B-52 bomber suffered a mid-air breakup releasing two Mark 39 nuclear bombs. Miraculously, both bombs landed without detonating, but the incident raised alarm about the possibility of nuclear catastrophe happening actually on American soil. And while you might think, all right, so that's a couple times, well, that's actually not all. In fact, Dave, the U.S. military has admitted to straight-up losing six nuclear weapons. Unsealed documents tell us that one is in the Mediterranean Sea, two are in the Pacific Ocean, two are in the Atlantic Ocean, and one is somewhere, get this, in eastern North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Dave, somewhere near Goldsboro, North Carolina a uranium core is likely buried in a field. It had been one of the cores for a pair of 24 megaton nuclear bombs that were on a B-52 that crashed shortly after takeoff. What is especially unsettling about this incident is that three of the four arming mechanisms on that bomb that was recovered had been activated. The second bomb's tail was discovered 20 feet below ground in a muddy field, and when efforts to find the core failed to uncover it, Well, the military just purchased a wide area of land, assuming that the bomb is somewhere, to just restrict people from digging it up one day. And also, you have to consider this is just from the U.S. military, so you would also have to assume that other countries have had some similar incidents. And while some countries are forthcoming with that information, there are some like Russia that are definitely not. Fast forward to today, and you might be wondering, are we still at risk of losing nuclear weapons? The answer is unfortunately yes. In the modern era, the focus has shifted from accidental loss to potential theft or cyber attacks that could compromise nuclear arsenals. In 2014, the U.S. Department of Energy reported that it was under constant cyber attack, potentially exposing sensitive nuclear information, and that they are almost constantly on the defensive. Today, stringent security measures Surround nuclear weapons involving advanced authentication systems, biometric identification, and cyber defenses to thwart potential attackers. This layered approach at least tries to reduce the risk of unauthorized access and potential theft. Now, another crucial aspect is international cooperation. There are treaties like the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty between the United States and Russia, and that has helped reduce nuclear arsenals, decreasing the overall risk. There have also been initiatives like the Global Initiative to Combat Nuclear Terrorism that foster collaboration among nations to prevent the spread of nuclear materials to non-state actors. The loss or compromise of a nuclear weapon, well, it isn't just a national concern. It's a global one. The interconnectedness of our world means that the consequences of such an event would reverberate far beyond the borders of any one nation. But, Dave, regardless, they're out there, all six of them, maybe never to be found or maybe hopefully never to be found. And on some level, that is just sort of insane to me. So let me get this straight. So there's a nuclear weapon that's kind of armed
0: hidden in north carolina
1: and yeah, the but government, the military bought the land that they think it's on
0: so so they, they're not for sure they just think that they know where it is and they just kind of have it gated off like you just can't go in
1: there basically yeah now i i did google uh how many nuclear weapons are in the world okay because you said you thought it was about 10 all right so in 1986 all right, get this. There were 70,300 active nuclear weapons in the world. All right, just get your head around that for a second. In 2019, there are 3,750 active nuclear warheads and 13,890 total nuclear warheads in the world. So there's been a lot decommissioned, but there are still 13,000 of them out there. Don't you just need like one? Uh, You don't need 13,000. Yeah, (laughs) you just need one, maybe two.
0: (laughs) And finally, Jay, I I think I already know the answer to this. But do you consider yourself an oversharer
1: or an undersharer? I mean, I think I'm firmly an undersharer, especially in the world that we live in now with social media and connectivity. I just, I don't feel great about posting and I, and I just don't really have the time to do it either. You know, it just it doesn't really come out that often. It's just never really a first thought that I have. So I'd say you'd probably be labeled as a share/undershare. Oh, okay. I didn't realize there were tiers. You yeah, there's two tiers, options. So that's well, I I'm,
0: <laughs> i make the rules. So I'd say yeah, you're a sharer <laughs> more toward the undershare line. But I do think there are areas where we should overshare with each other, right? Like if you and your wife are trying to direct your kids, parent your kids in a certain way, you should share that with each other. Like just a random example that definitely hasn't ever actually happened. If you have told your son maybe that he can't have any more snacks, like just another random example, maybe it's a popcorn brand called Pirate's Booty, uh, but you, you failed to really tell your it's spouse. Uh, it's, I'm not sure. This is a fake scenario. Um, oh, but right, fa- right, of course. You uh, you failed to tell your spouse that, and he cons them into an additional bag of pirate's booty. You can't really be mad at the spouse, right? I mean, once
1: again, totally made-up scenario definitely did not happen. Well, in this, in this scenario, I guess a certain component of the scenario to remember is that In this particular fake scenario that didn't happen, the dad is raising a miniature version of himself who does the things that he did as a child. And I think that that's important context to keep in mind. Of course, in this totally not real scenario.
0: uh, Whoever that may be, if it's real, (laughs) I I hope they're listening and pass it on. But Jay, there are other areas where we need to be careful not to overshare, like all forms of social media. And this goes beyond the normal forms we think of with social media. Vehicles like Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat. In fact, one such social media platform that is dripping with overshared information isn't even considered a social media source by most people. The mobile payment app, Venmo. If you're unfamiliar, Venmo, like other payment apps such as Cash App or Zelle, allows users to send and receive mobile payments. You can do everything on it, from pay your bills to split the cost of dinner with your friends. But you see, Venmo comes with more than just a way to pay and receive money. It also comes with a timeline, full of emojis, I might add, that doesn't let you see the amount, but lets you see the reasons that your friends are paying each other. Founded in 2009 as a music startup, Venmo was acquired by eBay in 2013 to become the virtual wallet service it's known as today. And, Jay, it's hard to remember, but in 2013, social media wasn't quite as uh, mean as it is today. Posting your thoughts, your location, your achievements, you name it, it was considered the right way to use social media. Not a map leading potential criminals to rob you and leave you for dead like it could be today. But, Jay, (laughs) while apps like Venmo, which has since been acquired by PayPal has improved its security over the years, like disabling a global feed where you could literally see where strangers were spending their money, it's still set up to let the world know what you're doing without too much effort. While letting your friends know that you just got some pizza sounds harmless and fun, but it can quickly turn south. The New York Times reports that in 2017, a data researcher who was at the Mozilla Foundation published a website featuring an interactive graphic summarizing intimate details from over 200 million Venmo transactions. The graphic focused in on the daily lives of Venmo users, including a cannabis dealer, a food cart vendor, and a married couple splitting bills and paying off loans together. So what steps should we all consider to still benefit from online payment apps, but also stay as safe as possible? Well, there are at least two steps that could help a lot, according to the New York Times. Number one, hide your contact list. On a personal level, your contact list on something like Venmo could reveal your location to someone looking to scam you. For professionals, it could expose something much worse, like a doctor's patients, a journalist's sources, or a salesperson's clients. Second, uh, number two, review the data-sharing features on apps like Venmo and see if you're comfortable with what it's actually going to let people know about you. If you're not comfortable, delete the app. Now, keep in mind, if you do delete your payment apps, you'll have to start doing something that nobody wants to do. Go back to using cold, hard paper
1: cash. Over my dead body. (laughs) You know, I fancy myself a pretty good eye for drama. Like, I feel like I can spot things on social media. Like, Hey, this person's definitely going through something, (laughs) you know? Like, uh, the classic one is like, oh, that guy, you know, he used to have his whole family in his profile picture, and now it's just oh, him yeah. at the beach. It's just like, him. He's about to hit the divorce, you know. Or it's like it's a you picture, of the dog, dog, picture uh, of the dog, picture of the family dog. Stalking for drama through Venmo, that's just a whole different level. You know, like, oh, wait a minute, they never split the bills, and now he's sending her money for the electric bill? Like, something's up. Sherlock Sisson. That's call it.
0: <laughs> it's crazy to me. You know, we live in a place where it's not weird if you go out to eat, and you say... Uh, Like the waiter or waitress comes over and says, Hey, is this together or separate? And we just say, Separate. I pay for my meal, you pay for yours. But if you go to some places, like New York City is infamous for this, they don't split your bills. Like they don't even ask you, they just bring you the
1: bill. We went to New York City with you, uh, yeah. me and my wife and you That's and your wife and a couple of our friends, and you were just irate I the entire time I we were was. there. I mean, we were there for like a week, and every time we ate, you were like, well, why would they just bring us separate checks? Well, they have to bring us one check. Like It was like you wanted everybody in New York City to know that you were I was mad always getting.
0: I was getting <laughs> stuck with more.
1: I was paying more than anybody else. And so I finally snapped. Like
0: the last place that we went, <laughs> I walked over, and there were like 12 of us there. I walked over to the waiter, and I said, listen, dude. You're splitting this check. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. Or on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, CommuteThePodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Salmons For J-Sys, and I'm Dave Traum. We'll see you next week. All
1: right. Here we go. You got something mm-hmm. for your birthday? Okay. Yep. Is it bad or good? Um, no, it's, it's like more bad, but I'll make it funny. Okay, good.
0: Well, I wanted to be bad.
1: I've had like I've had a lot of like tragic stuff happen around my birthday perfect. too. I'm not gonna talk about that, but like both my grandparents died. Oh, well, I like, didn't mean perfect like that way. Like <laughs> my grandmas <laughs> died within like two days of my birthday, like two years. So I, it was just like stuff like that. I'm not gonna talk about that I'm though. Sorry. I'm gonna talk he about said, something funny. I've had <laughs> tragic things happen around my birthday. I said perfect. Like it's like, <laughs> and I remember my mom one day just being like, "I'm really sorry. I know your your birthday's kind of like sucked in your 20s. Like every single oh, year, boy. it's something." <laughs> yeah, I, I feel bad. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, what an idiot. It's like perfect. <laughs> the the darker the better. <laughs> <laughs>